Welcome to Story Chats at Insby Romance. I'm Elizabeth Madry, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins. I'm Valerie Comer. We have Terry Ferris here with us today. Terry Ferris is the author of You Belong With Me and Until I Met You. She's a member of the American Christian Fiction Writers and My Book Therapy. She's the project manager for My Book Therapy, writes for learnhowtowriteanovel.com, and is a 2017 Genesis Award winner. She has an MDiv from Asbury Theological Seminary and lives in the Phoenix, Arizona area with her husband and their three children. Although she lives in the Southwest now, she lived in a small town in Michigan for 25 years. Thanks so much for being here, Terry. Oh, hi, thanks for having me, it's such a joy. So today we are talking about your new release this week, uh, Since You've Been Gone. This is book three in the Restoring Heritage series, but I feel like it stood alone pretty well, um, which I really appreciated because I actually read this series out of order. I read book one uh, right about when it came out. And then I read book three to prep for interviewing you. <laughs> and then I read book two this week. <laughs> so. Um, but I didn't feel confused at all, which I really love that you were able to do that. Yeah, um, that's always a challenge. It, yes, yes. But you did it well. Um, what I noticed about these books, which to me was unique, um, is that they all sort of have two really complete romances in them. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk, if you would talk a little bit about um how that came to be? Like, did you always, did you plan to do that? Were you thinking six books or, I, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is just how the books needed to be written, but we'd, I'd love to know a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first book, uh, when I first wrote uh, You Belong With Me, it was only the two main characters, Hannah and Luke. And it was my first, it was the first book I ever wrote where I knew what I was doing but I was yet still, was still learning what I was doing. <laughs> and so I, I wrote the full novel and I submitted it to several people. And uh, I submitted it to who, uh, when my agent, who did become my agent, but she wasn't at this time, as well as a couple editors from conference. And one editor specifically said, I like the concept. If I don't like it, it's because of this, this, and this. And I was like, mm. so, um, <laughs> But it was very helpful because then I went and I, I could see what they were saying. I went back and I, so I, sent, I, I sent a note to Wendy and said, actually, I got some good feedback. I'd like to revise it and I'll resend it to you. And so I did that. And um, she said, would you be considering, would you consider rewriting this at a trade length? Not trade length, uh, love inspired length. So would you consider, because they're looking for a lot of small term romance. Do you think you can make that work? And so I said, um, I will try so I really tightened up the story. So it was just Hannah and Luke, but it was probably about 60,000. Well, then as I wrote the story, I realized there was so much more because of course, as you revise, you learn more about writing. I realized there was another really between Thomas and Jamie that reflected the other plot line that I really wanted to weave in. So I did shorten it, but then I was like, I did, but now I don't like, I like, I have a whole new idea. So I reinserted all the, um, the subplot, my agent liked it. And so then we were working from there. And then once I had done that, um, it just kind of became the pattern for this particular series. Um, also, Hannah is the name of my niece. Um, she, when I, when she was younger, she's actually now in college, but when she was quite a bit younger and I first started writing she said, why don't you rename any of your characters Hannah? 
And I said, I'll name a character Hannah if you want me to. I said, I'll name the next one Hannah. And so I started that book. I named her Hannah. And then I, her best friend at the time was named Janie. So I said, I, that's how I came up with Janie. So when I went on to the next one, um, my niece Libby, who's actually in life older than um, Hannah. She's just a year older. Um, she became the next novel. She had a friend, Olivia. And then we, I knew I was going to do Leah for the last one, which is my other niece. And... Um, but she had two close friends and Leah had two close friends that were uh, Madison and uh, Caroline. And so that's where I ended up with her twin sister is Caroline, but her person in her subplot is Madison. So it was very, it was, that's where I kind of ended up going with it. Just, it was fun because my nieces had um, these friends. And so, yeah, that's where kind of how I ended up with that. I love it. That's fun that it's, it's people in your life and they probably adore it. Um, yes. yeah, I'll bet they, <laughs> I bet they do. That's super fun. Until you have your characters say or do mean things that they would never do. <laughs> well, I always tell them it's really, it's funny because before they came out, I said, you guys, this is not a reflection of what I think you will turn out like, or who you will marry or decisions you will make because especially Libby, because most of them, they're really not that much like the characters, but Libby, as she came, um, my niece, whose name's Libby is a big bookworm. She loves to read. She prefers, she's not real social. And so as I was forming, she was becoming more and more like my I was like, I'm not saying anything about your life. I am simply saying, I'm just, I'm not. She would just laugh. She, she's, she's actually helped me edit um, my Christmas novellas. So she's real. She's in college, and she's and she loves the English and editing and all that fun. stuff. So that's, that's very sweet. good. That's very fun. All right, Narelle, I think you are up. Yes. Well, that was a great leading because I was the first thing I was going to talk about is how one of the things I loved about the series is the really strong um, female friendships in the story and they're very realistic as well. And I think that's something that we really see in book three um, since you've been gone when Leah comes back and she's embraced in her, she reunites with her friends after having been away. Um, but my favourite character actually is Madison in this book. And I always felt for Madison in book one because she was, um, she wasn't likeable, but there was just something about her. There was a vulnerability and there was a lot of depth. And I was so happy to see her come back in since she'd been gone and actually get her own story and actually have a happily ever after. So I was pleased about that. Um, but one of the things you drew out the really strong friendships um, amongst this strong group of um, Christian women. Um, but you also have the flip side of that, which is the mean girls element that can come from high school and how sometimes people can feel like they never escape high school and can feel on the outside. So I was wondering, was that something that you'd planned to have in the story or is that just the way it evolved as the series went on? Um, kind of both. Uh, part of it was that um, Madison actually was not intent I did not intend to bring her back originally when she popped on the page she was just some character that I didn't nobody liked well the more she was on the page like you said like I could see this depth to it that I was like I want to get to know her she there's so much hidden that she doesn't let people see and so I was like I want to bring her back for the third book and so um part of it was that part of it actually was I was home I grew up in a very small town in Michigan I live in Arizona now right near Phoenix but I grew up in a very small town and I was home visiting um, and our church and there I met a, a girl there and my sister was introducing me and she said, 
um, you may remember her, we went to school with her, you know, she introduced me her name and I was like, oh yeah, I do remember, <laughs> but and she, she had, she lived a wild life in high school. She made a lot of choices everybody knew about in high school. And it was, I, I felt that, that I didn't want to be that person, but I was that person like, wow, you can be, you could love Jesus too. You know what I mean? Like, and we know it's true. We know we all have bad backgrounds, right? But that's the part that also it hit me. That's the problem with like, and I know lots of people in Phoenix. I've gotten to know people who have rough backgrounds, but I wasn't there to through their rough background uh, so yeah. you don't know you're just like yeah yeah everybody has this rough background but when you live those live that with people it's really hard for them to see you different even when they know you've changed right that's such a hard thing at a small town to to get out from under you know what I mean and I see that I saw that over and over again where people have their ideas of who you were and yes we all change we all grow in different aspects and I at I was, both of these things were kind of happening at the same time. I saw Madison had more depth. I had this conversation and I, it was just how it came together in my mind. And I was like, that's who she is. Nobody under, nobody, she's going to have this amazing story and people, but she doesn't really believe anybody else there different because it is hard for people to see her different because they lived with her when she had some really ugly moments. And that's how it's really hard to let go of sometimes when people hurt you and just see them differently. We're, we're so willing to give people a second chance when we weren't there for the bad first chance, right? So it yeah. just kind of hit, hit me, that whole, again, city life too versus small town and can't get away from anything versus, you know, I got to church with tons of people with very unique, interesting backgrounds, but I never think anything of it because I didn't know them. But. That's yeah. a really good point. I, I can see that too in, in people that I know uh, from before and people <laughs> that I've just met recently. That's, yeah, it's very valid. Yeah. We see them differently. Yeah, definitely the difference between a, a small town. That's how you know a small town's real is when you've got those dynamics going on because um, people just don't all suddenly move to a small town with no background. Yes. So as I said, that was one aspect of the story that I really liked. So I'm glad Madison got her happily ever after. And yes. the other thing I loved in the series is how you base this town is effectively restored through the series. Mm -hmm. And I just thought Otis was adorable like the whole concept of Otis. So that was my question. My next, my last question is, what was the inspiration for Otis? Did you know of something like this that was similar in a small town or is it something that just a and you, you light might need bulb to say a little bit. Might need to say a little bit about who or what Otis is though. For, yeah. Yeah, uh, for people who don't know. <laughs> yeah, so Otis is a brass hippo that moves around town mysteriously. Nobody knows how he moves. Um, and... Well, how this came about was initially, so again, this was um, probably one of the last revisions of this book. I went to a class uh, actually taught by uh, Liz Johnson at ACFW, and she was talking about just making a, you're setting your character. And I, I love heritage, but I said so the problem I was having is I was, especially in the beginning books, talking about how run down it is. I don't want people to hate this town and be like, why do people even want to move there? <laughs> like, who would want to live there? This is a dumpy town. You know what I mean? I was restoring it, but I wanted to show some charm in it too. But there were so many aspects that were broken, that were getting, you know, needing to be redone. And so I was trying to think of something. Now, again, in my small town, we didn't have that. We do have this unique um, gorilla 
cement gorilla. It does not move. However, <laughs> as you're driving into town, there's this one of those places that sells all sorts of cement things, cement paving things, but also cement animals. Never understood as a child, still don't. Full of cement things. Well, one of the things out front was this very large gorilla with one arm over its head and it's, <laughs> and it's fairly large. And um, it was there for, and everybody, you know, at holidays, they put wreaths around its neck and it just became one of these things. It was for sale, but you know, it just became like, who's going to buy a, this big gorilla? Well, somebody <laughs> bought it and everybody got so mad. Like, our gorilla's gone. Like who took our gorilla? And everybody. So years, a couple years went by, and it was an older couple. And when they passed on, their kids did not want this gorilla. And so they contacted them, and they was like, "Yes, we'll take the gorilla back." People got really mad when we sold it. We'll buy it back from you. So they bought it, and it's no longer for sale. It still sits in the front of this thing, and it's this big gorilla as you're driving into town. So initially, I thought about that. However, moving a cement gorilla, I, first of all, I was trying to find a place to put it into town. It wasn't going to work you know, it just didn't make sense. So I, we, I was like, too bad I can't do something that moves around, especially because everything's changing so much. Mm -hmm. And so there actually is a brass hippo that looks like I'm imagining this one in our local mall, which is about 20 minutes from my small town. It's a very small mall, like one of those places you can stand in and see the entire mall from one spot. And, um, but it, that was the entire play area as a kid was this brass hippo <laughs> and you would climb all over it and slide on over it. And, um, and so it just lays against the ground and that's was the kids just climbed on it. That's what we always did. So I kind of merged those ideas and I honestly can't remember what initially made me start moving it except for just kind of the quirkiness of it and the mystery of it and then I did I honestly it was one of those things trying to get the town to be more likable I had no idea people were going to be like grab onto Otis like they have but they do <laughs> and I was like we love Otis da, 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 Otis. I'm like wow it was just literally on the last draft I had I had added it in there as trying to again make it a little bit more of a unique town likable town so that's where Otis comes from I think That's so I think, fun. <laughs> I think we succeeded with that uh, because Otis, you know, he shows up in the very first chapter. I think it is of, of this one, or whenever when Colby, is that his name, comes into town and he's like, yeah. "I'm by, I'm by the hippo," and people are like, "That's not much help." <laughs> <laughs> and me, as coming new to the to your series through book three, I'm like, "Okay," and you know, store that little piece of info. And then keep reading, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> that was a that was a challenging. I always had to figure out a way to introduce hip, introduce Otis at the beginning of each book, so people understood without people saying things they wouldn't say, right? So you always had to find somebody from out of town to have this conversation with, because everybody in town would know about Otis. So you're not going to be like, hey, did you know Otis moves? You know, like, <laughs> did you know that none of us know that Otis moves? You know, so I always had to find some person to drop in with Otis relatively soon so they could have the conversation that nobody knows how he moves, that nobody, you know, and I think in the very first book, um, you along with me, it was a foster kid who would always play on it. And he was just pushing the book, even though he, he knew the story, he was pushing Luke to make sure Luke didn't know more of the story. So you really say that nobody knows. No, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's ever said he knows, you know, kind of like that kind of, but it was always, it was always a stretch for me to figure out who can I have have an important conversation without 
making it seem like a stupid conversation that these people are going to be like, well, why are they having this conversation? They are, you know. Yeah. I, I was taught that that's called, and as you know, Bob, yeah. Yeah. you know, Bob, Otis moves, you know, <laughs> and, and their characters are telling each other things that, that they know, but the yeah. reader doesn't, so they're, yeah, don't do as you know, Bob. That's right, so that was always a challenge, trying to squeeze that in, because there's not a whole lot about, I did realize, though, it's one thing I did not prepare for. Um, with writing this many characters. Because again, I have another character in this Christmas novella and my PS goodbye is another character is you can only have so many people that age in town. Like I literally have people like, oh, you should do another one. I'm like, people need to grow up. Everybody that age is pretty much, I've like crossed them all off the list. There's not really that many people left. I could, there's a few here and there, but I'm like, goodness gracious, I just need a break. So, yep. but it's just really funny. I hear, you. I hear you on that. One thing I noticed uh, a lot of in this story is is themes of shaking off the shackles of previous experiences and and starting anew. Um, like Leah's memories of John in high school proved to her that he was just out to make fun of her, um, whereas he felt like he was admiring her and and he couldn't seem to get her attention in a positive way. And even in the story's present. John struggles to be clearly seen and respected by the board members of his late father's company and as well as by Leah and by everyone else. So I think this is kind of a universal struggle where we have a hard time overcoming other people's perceptions of us. And we've touched on that just a little bit here uh, already. Uh, and we, we struggle with our perceptions of ourselves as well. We continue to see ourselves as, as we once were. So do you have any other inspiration for, for that theme um, of perception? Um, I think, I think, I a lot of times going through these books, I realize I, I uncover areas of my own life that I realize that I still am. I'm comparing myself to other people. I'm trying to be this person, you know, like John's trying to be like his dad instead of just trying to be who he needs to be. You know, who is God called you to be, not. Who, you know, you think you're supposed to be. Um, and I do think that um, there's some been times that I know that my intentions have been misperceived and that, um, you know, like I wasn't, hopefully, I hope I wasn't ever the mean girl in school, but I do know there was times that I didn't really understand other people and how I could have been perceived necessarily. Um, I do know that I, I realized I found this out later. I have a not the most flattering thinking face. Um, and so, and for a person who likes to conjure stories in her head, um, I have a thinking face a lot that looks like this. And people are like, oh, she hates me because um, she always gives me dirty looks. And people are like, she's not even looking at you. She's just in her head. And so I really had to consciously get work on that because uh, I also, I have very light blue eyes, which means if I don't wear sunglasses, I do very poor in the sun. And um, so I'd always uh, be like this. And people are like, she just gets dirty looks all the time. And I'm like, okay, I really gotta work on my resting face of being pleasant because I really feel pleasant. <laughs> so I think there's just a lot of, again, especially in small town, it's easy to get stereotyped of the way people perceive you, of the way people think that you know, um, you know, like, she just assumed because he was popular and well-liked that he didn't, he didn't have any insecurities. Um, I know that I've dealt with women who 
well, you know, the, I remember one person said uh, in this group, and she was like, well, I don't think any pretty, and which was crazy to me, but she was like, I don't think any pretty woman ever has insecurities. And I was like, I don't understand, I don't think you understand the idea of what insecurity is. Like, because she was just talking in general, because we were dealing with this insecurity. I'm like, everybody has insecurities, everybody has triggers that will rise up those insecurities. And the more I've been, I actually read the book by Beth Moore called So Long Insecurity, which was super insightful. And I think it just made me much more sensitive realizing that there's, everybody has insecurities. Everybody has, is dealing against perceptions that other people have of them that we didn't necessarily sign up for, but we don't necessarily have know how to take care of either. We don't know how to go in and be like, I'm a nice person and I like you, fine. You know, and um, for example, I am a, I'm a chatty person. Uh, so like when I go to a conference, um, I'm, I'll strike up a conversation with anybody. That's not a problem for me. I don't have, a, I'm not one of the, you know, authors who has a hard time striking up conversations. I don't have a problem speaking in front of people, all these kind of things. It doesn't mean that I never get self-conscious or worry about the, what people think of me. It doesn't mean that, I don't worry about I'm talking too much and people are going to be annoyed with what I'm saying, you know? So everybody has those things, but I think often we kind of think our lens is, is the only lens, right? So, well, I see it this way. So therefore they couldn't possibly have, you know, I, when that woman said that it really opened my eyes to realize a lot of people don't realize that other people, everybody, whether, you know, the most gorgeous person in the world I've, I've met, people that I've met that are super gorgeous, you look at them and they, they have a lot of insecurities. That's why they spend so much, I mean, not all of them. Some of them don't. Some of them, though, that's why they spend so much time looking like that was because they're really insecure with looking less than perfect, you know? And so I just, I just wanted to kind of show that everybody's human. Everybody has that side of, we just really need to start, ask questions and listen to people's stories. When you talked about your your thinking face and your resting face, I thought sometimes when I see myself back in a video and I see myself like this, people might think that I'm being snooty. Whereas in fact, it's it's where I can see through my glasses. <laughs> you know, it's it's nothing to do with anything other than me trying to focus on right. something that I can actually see. Yeah. So. <laughs> Isn't that funny how there's things that we do that people are, you know, we can, they can read into that it's just for us. We're like, oh, I never thought about that. I was just trying to see. Exactly, <laughs> <Yeah>. vision. <laughs> All right, um, I think those are our questions about the book. So now what we often do when we have um, authors in for interviews is we do a few quick this or that's. So okay. we've, we've now hit the this or that portion <laughs> of our podcast. Um, and so your goal is just your gut response, but you're welcome to explain yourself if you would like to also. Okay. Um, but um, they're off the wall and they can be any topic. We have no rules with this or that. So, okay. but we, you know, we try not to put anybody on a bad spot. So. Okay. <laughs> oh, darn, I need a new. <laughs> so Narelle, why don't you this or that first? All right, so I'm, I've drawn my inspiration from the book. So this or that, um, would you prefer to play basketball or go fishing? Ooh. Probably basketball, but I'm really bad at it. I will say that. <laughs> but I will say the fishing scene um, and the phobia is, that's me. 
I, I am, those are, I did not dig deep for those emotions. I grew up in Michigan and avoided lakes if that was possible. It's, I, I can, I will when necessary, but yeah, don't love the fish. That's outstanding. I would be just the opposite, boy, I would take that fishing. <laughs> All right, Valerie. Are you more likely to write friends to lovers or forbidden love? Ooh. I love reading forbidden love. However, I will say I'm more likely to write friends to lovers because that's my romance. But that was my husband and I. So it, it's kind of where a lot of times naturally I end up going. It's easy, you know what I'm saying? Those are the emotions that are most easily accessed for me, which may be why Forbidden Love is so like, ooh, I love to read those because I don't have as much experience in that. Fair enough. All right, so um, mine is gonna take you into TV watching, which hopefully you do a little bit of TV watching. I do. <laughs> Every now and then. Would you rather watch a reality competition or a sitcom? Ooh. It really depends on what they're competing for. I've really gotten into Amazing Race because I love the travel of it. Yes. I'm like, oh, I want to go there. I want to go there. <laughs> um, and I actually like Survivor for some reason. I watched almost every season of Survivor. But like baking shows, they they make me they kind of stress me out because I just want to eat what's on the screen, or I just feel really bad about my cooking abilities. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, but I do enjoy some sitcoms that make me laugh. So that's very, I don't, there, I still say there's fewer sitcoms that really make me laugh, but when they do, I do enjoy just the sitcom. That's, I'm not sure I chose this or that, but. You got both, but that's okay. Cause I don't think there's a wrong choice there. <laughs> the Amazing Race is, is a big favorite of mine. I'm going through them. That's my workout show every yeah. morning. And it's like some days it's the only reason I work out is because I want to know who's going to go next. Yeah. And so it gets me on my elliptical. <laughs> yeah. It actually got me following um, Bethany Hamilton, the surfer. With, yeah. Yeah. She's on one of them seasons. And I just was like, she is so genuine. I want to be like her. I'm going to follow her on social media because I want to be her friend. I know I'm not really her friend, but I'm like, <laughs> look, we're friends now. She's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. I think we probably are close to our time. So um, thank you very fast. so much. You did great. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Can you tell everyone where the best place to find you and your books are? Yes. Um, you can find me always at terryferris.com. You, and it has a books and all of my links there. My books are sold. Every books are sold right now. I don't know. Um, where actually I have a special thing going on with Baker Book House that if you pre-order the, um, since you've been gone through them, you get a set of uh, unique postcards that are from Heritage. So you get like a set of Heritage postcards and a book plate. So that's just trying to support the local bookstore. And, um, but yeah, you can pre-order them. They also, you tend to get your books a couple of days early, I've heard. I don't know. Um, so that's super exciting. So I'm excited to partner with them, but you can also buy them anywhere books are sold. Perfect. All right. Um, we would, um, we would, I lost my complete train of thought. So that was fun. Um, I think we'll just go into the, the closing. Thank you everyone for joining us at Story Chats. Um, Please feel free to, if you have a question or a comment to leave that on our YouTube or the Story Chats Facebook page, either one. 
And you can find all the information you want about Story Chats at inspiromance.com slash Story Chats. If you are watching on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. And we will see you next week. In the meantime, don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye, everyone.